listening to the Burke United Methodist Church Sermon Series, available at burke-umc.org. Scripture today comes from the book of 2 Samuel, uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. Let me know when you're ready, Grider. All right. Now, when the king had settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies uh, around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, are you the one to build me a house to live in? Have I not lived in a have I not lived in a house since the day I was brought up from the people of Israel from Egypt to this day? But I have been moving around in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I moved among all my people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel whom I commanded to my to shepherd my people Israel saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be prince over my, my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you went. I have cut off your enemies before you, and I have made for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they will live in their own place and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over the people of Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord de declares to you that the Lord will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring after you and who shall come forth from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I'll punish him uh, with rod such as no mortals use with blows inflicted by human beings. But I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall be forever before me, and your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all the words and with all this vision. Nathan spoke to David. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, open up our hearts, open up our minds. And help us learn. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Go fight, win. Amen. Have you ever had an experience where you read something, maybe even more than once or twice, maybe three or four times, and never saw exactly what it was saying? Or maybe it was saying something completely different. You know, this week's scripture is one of those experiences for me. Uh, Throughout the summer, the lectionary, and I'm traditionally a lectionary preacher, and so uh, in all other services I've been following along, and it's been the summer of Samuel in the lectionary. Uh, it started uh, in, in, I think, late May, maybe, or June, 
And uh, it started with 1 Samuel, and, and we're in 2 Samuel. And this is part of that, that, that summer of, of Samuel series. And, uh, and we're dealing with David. And, and now, a couple of things about Samuel. I, I, I love set the books of Samuel. They're the history books. I'm a trained historian. I really like uh, Samuel. And Samuel was, is an interesting cat because uh, in Samuel 1 and Samuel 2, they talk about Samuel's birth about his life, and then even he has to come back and talk to Saul after he's dead. Uh, that, you know, Saul goes to the witch of Endor, and, and, and Samuel comes and talks to him. So you have birth, life, and death, and there's only one other person in the entire Bible that does that, and that's Jesus. You know, this is something that's really amazing. You know, even Moses, once Moses goes, you don't see Moses come back. Uh, you don't see Elijah or Elisha or Jeremiah or Isaiah. You don't have the full scope like you do with Samuel. And Samuel deals with the, the monarchy of the Hebrew people, the, the monarchy of the Hebrew nation. And so we're, in, we're in with David now. And uh, uh, I, I have read 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel many times because, remember, I like it. But somehow this little passage has slipped by me, probably because it's not one of the ones that you really think of. It's not, you know, a fight with a giant. It's nothing with David and Goliath. It, 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 it's nothing like, like Bathsheba or with, with some of Saul's issues and, and some of the other things that are in uh, the two books of Samuel. This is kind of a small thing that is kind of put in there. And it's also something that we don't really think about. We know that David doesn't build the temple. But for some reason or another, we think that David doesn't build the temple because he's being punished for things he's about to do later in some of the other sermons. But in today's reading, David and Nathan, and this is Nathan's first appearance, the prophet Nathan. David and Nathan realize that the king has built this wonderful palace in Jerusalem. You know, David has conquered Jerusalem, which was not anything that the 12 tribes uh, claimed. It was something that was completely different. It's kind of like Washington, D.C. For, for the United States. It's not part of a state. It's something completely different. And he had built his capital there. He's built palaces. He's done all these things. Things are really wonderful. He's brought the ark to them. Uh, and so he, he, he and Nathan are talking. He says that, you know, we've done some, some really amazing things here, but God is homeless. God is living in a tent. So David talks to Nathan and says, I want to build a home from God. And, and, and then Nathan goes, hey, that sounds good. And he gets home and he has this vision from God. And, and God comes to Nathan and says that, that God has been in a tent all this time. And that in a tent God will stay. And that's basically what he's saying. He said that, that from the deliverance and exodus all the way up through the judges, all the way up to this present, to this day that they're talking, he's been in a tent. And he's more than content <laughs> Fun. to stay there. And, and so do not be uh, building me a house. Do not be building me a box. So what's up? 
And, and I, I, so you, you kind of think about this, you know, what's up with this? And the first is kind of obvious. How can you build a house for God? God is awesome, right? God is just amazing. How can we build a house for God? So you have to start thinking, this: does David want to build the house for God and, and, and to make God awesome? Or does David want to build a house for David? Saying, look what I built for God. You know, hey, I am so cool. I could build this wonderful temple, and it's better than anything you've seen, and it's for God, and I did it. And, and you know, sometimes we fall into that little category where we want to do things for the betterment of the church, where we want to do things for, for God's glory, but it's really for our glory. It's really so that we can tell people of all the things. I fall into that pretty quick. You know, I have a healthy self-esteem, to say the least. I will tell you about all the great things that I can and will do. But the thing is, am I doing those for God's glory? Or am I doing those for Steve's glory? And that's something that I really, really have to be aware of and something that I have to, 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 to own. Uh, in the United Methodist Church, that there are, are preachers known as building preachers. And what that literally means is that wherever they've gone, they've built buildings, sanctuaries, fellowship halls, Christian life centers, uh, you know, buildings. They, they physically build buildings. Uh, and, and, and I know those. And, and you know, and, and here in the Methodist Church, you know, your preachers are itinerant. They go from place to place to place to place. And there are those that you can watch and look at their career. And you see that's exactly what their gift is. Notice I said their gift. Because, you know, there are some people that can get critical of those. All they want to do is just build uh, things so that they can be a plaque at the, you know, in the corner and have their name on it. Mm, usually not. I've known a lot of these building ministers. They are really fired up with the grace of Jesus Christ. And they, they have a gift of organizing congregations to where they do some pretty amazing things. You know, it's not easy to get groups together and go outside and over the budget to spend a million dollars for a building. It takes talent to do that. And, they're, and that's what they're called. They're, they're, they're called building ministers. So do, do we need a building? Or let me rephrase that. Does God need a building to do church? No, he doesn't. The sanctuary is not for God's comfort. It's for ours. And that's okay. Because remember, we're not God. Sometimes we have to remember that. We are not God. I'll be honest with you. I, I would not want to worship God in the middle of July in August unless I was in a building that has AC. I, I'm that kind of guy. And it's not for God, it's for Brother Steve. I'm not that kind of guy that would like to have a service when the rains are coming down all around me. Even if I do have a piece of canvas over me, that's not comfortable. We have sanctuary. We have sanctuaries for us. 
And remember, that's okay. That's okay because we're not God. And if that's what it takes to, for us to come together and to lift him up and to praise him, that's what God wants. And that's what God requires. So it comes to the second question, is God homeless? Yes and no. You know, uh, God does not need a house like we do. You know, shelter is one of the basic requirements for man. Without shelter, we don't survive. If we don't have a way to get out of the elements sooner or later, and, well, nope, let me rephrase that. We die. We cannot survive. But God does not need a house like we do. You know, God's house is something, something much deeper than that. It's something much more glorious. It's something much more grandiose than anything we can think of. And there are some pretty glorious, grandiose, amazing structures that are built for the glory of God. Uh, I, from time to time, I go up to Leewood, Kansas. There's, there's a United Methodist Church, uh, the uh, Church of the Resurrection United Methodist Church, the largest United Methodist congregation in America, they worship about 25,000 people a week. And, they, and their, their sanctuary, which they just completed about four or five years ago, only holds, uh, and yeah, this, you know, when I'm about to throw out this, you're going to go, only? It only holds about 6,000 people. And I know I'm looking around going, hmm, where would I put 6,000 people in this building? It would be tough, you know. We could line them up and have them standing on top of each other's shoulders. It still wouldn't work. But when you worship 20,000, 25,000 people and your main sanctuary only holds 6,000 and it's brand new, kind of, sort of, that means that you have a lot of different services and that was by design. And, and, and their, their senior pastor, Adam Hamilton, is a very interesting cat to talk to because he, he does have vision. He realizes that there are times that people can come together and worship that aren't the same times that other people can come to worship. They have like 12 services by design. It's not b because they can't fit them in one building. Well, they can't. But there's a reason they do that. So it, it goes to each and every one. God is still there in every service. It's for the people. So God's house, God's home, uh, is, is something so great. So you go, so is, is God really homeless? The answer to that question is no. And there you're going, oh, I just thought you said that he didn't need to have four walls and that we don't put God in a box. God is not homeless because we cannot put God in a box. We cannot put God in a structure. That used to be a very, it still is. You have people that come in, I'm not going to put God in a box. And, I was, and whenever somebody would say that to me, I'm just going, oh God, he's about to put God in a box. You know, because he's going to give me a structure that is different than what we're using, but it's still a structure. I go, oh, I wish you wouldn't say that. But we can't put God in a structure, but God has a home. God lives in people. 
God lives in each and every one of us. God lives in our hearts. God lives in our thoughts. God lives in our prayers. And more importantly, God lives in our actions. So, do we want to have do we want God to have a home? Then we have to be the rocks, the stones, and the timbers of God's home. You know, maybe David knew that. Maybe deep down David understood that. And to be honest, I think deep down we do too. Go fight win. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Burke United Methodist Church Sermon Series, available at burke-umc.org.